Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week in the topical discussion, we're talking about turning or twisting, changing your opinions, statements or decisions so that they are different to what they were before. In other words, we're talking about pivoting. Bit of a buzzword at the moment and one that you may have heard already and we thought it was a good opportunity to address some of the issues that you might be facing post-Covid. A lot of companies are facing pivotal moments, shall we say. Delighted. <laughs> isn't there, a lyric, isn't there a, a lyric in a song about that? <laughs> so the idea of a pivot is usually intended to help a business recover from a tough period and I've got to say a lot of businesses are experiencing a tough period at the moment it's a, a way to survive after experiencing new competition or other factors that make the original business model unsustainable now I'm thinking in this situation it some companies are um, awakening to the fact that their business model might not have been unsustainable, but post-COVID, their business model could be different. Yeah, and I think that that's why, I mean, the word's been around for ages, you know, you can find articles from, you know, from several years ago that used the, the term pivoting your business. But I think the coronavirus situation it's market forces it's circumstance that is forcing people to think this way about things whereas in actual fact um it's something that most businesses do should do or could do at various stages through their through their life uh, there was a really interesting article in forbes um uh, from 2018 and it says 12 clear signs it's time to pivot your business um, and a lot of the reasons are really positive ones. So you want to make your business stronger. You, know, you want it to be bigger, better, stronger. Um, that the needs of the market is changing. That your target market don't want what you've got anymore and they're looking for something else or a different iteration. If you're being really responsive, reactive, if your profits are declining, you know, there's loads of different reasons why. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean a global pandemic. And I think that that's really important. And in fact, um, most businesses start with a product or a service in mind, but find that they have to tweak and adjust that because if you're too rigid in your approach, you're going to get left behind. You look at, I don't know, you look at British Telecom for argument's sake. You know, if all they did was provide phone lines, <laughs> that you know they'd never have got to where they are now. Now there would have been some seismic shifts throughout that process, I guess. Um, and they apply to small businesses as well as large. I think that's the thing. Where where do you stand on it? Do you think it's opportunity or do you think it's reactive or what do you think, Tracy? Well, I do think that reviewing where your business is and reviewing your business model is an absolute must anyway, regardless of crises that are happening. And I found a list of um, 14 famous businesses that have pivoted. And the list includes Twitter, Groupon, PayPal, Starbucks, Nokia, Flickr, HP, Nintendo, Instagram, Wrigley, Avon, Fab.com, Pinterest and Suzuki. So it's an interesting article on Forbes if you want all of the detail there. Uh, but just to give you an example, Twitter originally started out as a platform called Odeo, apparently. And it was meant to be a distribution channel and social network uh, for podcasts 
However, Apple launched iTunes podcasting and Odeo couldn't compete. So the co-founders um, went on to create Twitter. And so <laughs> look what we've got now. And so in response to competition, that was one particular need to pivot. The, the founders shifted their original model. Um, Groupon, on the other hand, had to pivot because their idea didn't catch on. And so that right. um, they actually then went on to create a different product. So there's so many different examples that are absolutely fascinating. So we'll put a link for some of these stories on our website. We won't go into the detail now, but if you go and have a look at our blog on uh, the website, the business.community, you'll be able to get a link there. But there was an, another great article on Forbes about entrepreneurs pivoting during this particular crisis. And, during this time, the companies have been super sensitive to how their businesses are working. And there's lots of opportunity, but lots of hard work as well. So um, they've got a, a list of 10 must-dos during the crisis and how to prepare for a future one. Because I'm guessing what they're saying is, this is a crisis, there are probably going to be more in the future. So why not prepare yourself to, to be able to pivot? So um, one is make sure your team is, is in a position to be fast and agile. Set up Zoom calls to promote team collaboration, productivity and maintain positivity. Increase communication with customers and partners. Build a schedule for your team to follow. Be creative with your to-do lists. Focus on development. Ask for your community's input, including your customers. Make networking a priority. So reach out to at least five people a day to touch base and see how they are. Ask them for nothing. I think that's really good mm. when you're networking. Mm. Change your mindset from selling to support and enjoy the silver lining of extra quality time with the family. I like that one. <laughs> or the luxury of self-reflection and solitude. How about that for putting a positive spin on the crisis? Yeah, they've certainly done that. Yeah. And, and actually, in fairness, you know, a lot of people are saying that that's one of the positives that will come out of this. I think what's also really important is through the coronavirus crisis, there is there have been organisations that have pivoted temporarily. It doesn't mean that it's forever. And we've talked about a lot of them, the likes of Dyson and um, um, was it Brewdog and you know gin distilleries making hand sanitizer etc. But I found I found two that that really caught my eye. So I, I don't know if this caught my eye because I've been to Tunisia and I've been in a taxi in Tunisia and it's fairly hair raising. But anyway, um, a Tunisian taxi startup has temporarily become a delivery service for four dollars an hour. The company will deliver groceries and other products to customers. And then I really like this one. Signature Brew is paying out-of-work musicians to hand deliver its pub-in-a-box product with glassware, snacks, a music quiz, quiz, playlists and beer. So pivoting doesn't have to be forever. It can just be through, you know, a specific period of time. But it'd be nice to think that some of these things will continue beyond um, the end of the, the lockdown and the new ways of working as part of coronavirus. I found um, just five points to, to finish this section on um, from an article on the Founder Institute. Uh, I thought they were really, um, really good points here. 
how to pivot was the um, the start of the section in the article and it starts off with saying do it as soon as you can so avoid wasting time effort and money so pivot quickly pick new goals that align with your current vision i think that's important you don't have to compromise your vision and your values you just pick a new goals that work with the current situation point three says don't scrap the work that you've already done look at what aspects of your company can be salvaged kept and reused don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. i guess is, is the, what they're yeah, saying yeah. listen to your customers what are they saying what do they need now don't just assume that you've got all the answers and make sure that your pivot presents opportunities for growth now i would say there as well um or opportunities to go back to what you were doing before so you know don't burn any bridges mm, you, you yeah. might want to go back to whatever your business model was before in other news this week i found a couple of stories that relate to people that we have profiled on the show in the past um very um, most recently uh, some news released this week uh, about sir malcolm walker the co-founder of Iceland, you know, the frozen food retailer. Uh, article in the Retail Gazette and in the Times, um, Sir Malcolm Walker has, for the first time since it was established 50 years ago, has acquired a majority stake in the frozen foods retailer. He is the executive chairman and uh, his colleague, who is chief executive, the two of them have taken control of the retailer by acquiring 63, the 63.1% stake owned by um, a company, a Johannesburg listed company, and they've bought it for 115 million pounds. So, um, so yeah, so there we go particularly close to my heart. Those of you who um, who are regular listeners to the show might remember that back in October 2018, uh, episode 40, we talked at length about Sir Malcolm and, um, and the fact that his this, the first Iceland store was set up in Oswestry, which is where I live, so I'm based. So um, really interesting news there that, um, you, you know, he, He's, he's that tight. He went with the long haul and he now owns a massive stake in the business. And then I've got an event that's taking place, a virtual event that's taking place at the end of this month, the 26th of June. We've talked quite a lot about women who work in tech and uh, there is a, an organisation called We Are Tech Women and they are organising a virtual conference aimed at women who work in the technology sector. and where this was particularly of interest is that three of the stellar list of speakers uh, are Baroness Martha Lane Fox, who we've profiled, Dame Stephanie, Stephanie Shirley, who we've profiled, and Jacqueline de Rocas, who we've profiled. So a stellar lineup. The the event is um, it, tickets are one hundred and fifteen pounds, but. If you have lost your job, um, if you have lost your job and work in the technology sector, or if you are interested in the tech sector, um, then tickets are free. You just need to contact them. So I think that's a great opportunity for um, to hear some 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 great women talk about their experience of, of the, the tech sector, uh, and also, I mean, the lineup is is phenomenal. Not just the women. There's some great guys as well. So I'll put links to those 
uh, to, to the uh, to that event and the the Malcolm Walker story on our website, which is the business community. But what news have you got for us, Tracy? Have you gone back to the ONS this week? Yeah, so I've had a look at the ONS report, uh, coronavirus and the social impacts on Great Britain. The latest report was dated the 5th of June. So um, we're looking at the similar proportion of people in Great Britain have left their home this week as did last week. So it's 91% this week compared with 90% last week. However, this varies between um, England, Scotland and Wales. So 92% from England, 88 in Scotland, and it reduces to 84 in Wales, probably because of the different guidance that the governments are giving, I would expect. Yeah. The most common reasons for leaving home in Great Britain this week were essential shopping exercise work and running errands however leaving to meet with others in a public place continued to increase this week and it was the largest increase compared with last week for those traveling to and from work as well so more people are going back to work almost half of adults had visited a park or public green space this week and 39 percent of those had met with family or friends outside of their household um, that was an increase on last week as well. So the trends are, are very much um, moving in the same direction week on week. 41% um, of people said they felt safe or very safe when outside, which is an interesting way to put it, because 41%, what about the the rest of them that don't feel yeah. safe? It's an yeah. interesting way to put it. Um, but that that's um, increased, oh, it was only 33% last week who felt safe or very safe outside the home. And 28% of adults reported they'd use face coverings. I've used a mask for the first time this week. So I, I was working in an office um, with a, a lady and we, we were having to do some um, lifting and, and moving of large boxes and we, we couldn't socially distance so it's for the first time I have actually used a face mask this week and um, for those for whom it was applicable almost two in three parents at 63 percent in England felt very or quite unconfident in sending their children back to school and I think there's been some um, some rethinking of the whole going back to school plans there then um, I noticed an article on Reuters early on this week um, about BP cutting its workforce by 15%. Um, and that's in response to the coronavirus crisis, um, but also as part of their plan to shift the oil and gas business to renewable energy. So apparently they already had transition plans, but the coronavirus has both amplified and accelerated those transition plans. Now it's um, it's going to be cutting ten thousand jobs from their current staff of seventy thousand one hundred by the end of the year. So that's a big chunk. The affected roles will be mostly senior office-based positions, and um, about a fifth of the job cuts will take place in Britain, where uh, BP employs fifteen thousand people. And they're aiming, they're doing a little bit of pivoting, but they're aiming to be more nimble as they prepare for the shift to low carbon energy sources. 
And just one more little bit of news. I spotted a blog post from Google um, to say that Google Maps is going to be alerting users about COVID-19 related travel restrictions. The update to Google Maps, so you will have to update your app, will allow users to check how crowded a train station might be at a particular time or if buses on a certain route are running on a limited schedule. And these alerts are rolling out across a number of countries, which include the UK. So there we go. Uh, you'll find links to any relevant information that we've talked about in this section and in the whole show on our website, which is thebusiness.community. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM and this week in the discovery session I want to start off by giving you advance notice of what we're going to be reviewing next week just in case you decide to get hold of a copy and perhaps you want to submit some of your thoughts on the book or maybe you've already read it and you can share with us your thoughts so you could um, come to find us on Facebook um, we've had to switch off the comments on the blog because there was way too much spam and uh, <laughs> I, I think Facebook is a perfect place to interact with us don't you Heather? Absolutely absolutely thank you to all of those people who spammed us but uh, we're not really interested in what you're trying to sell. <laughs> so the book that we're looking at next week is called How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen James Allworth and Karen Dillon and uh, I think we got this from Kindle Unlimited so if you do have Kindle Unlimited it's worth taking a look uh, I'm already a good way through it um, so I'll, I'm going to be ready for next week um, the subtitle is finding fulfillment using lessons from some of the world's greatest businesses now to be fair I haven't got to the lessons from the world's greatest businesses yet but I'm liking what I'm reading so far. It's, um, it's a good book. So if you want to join us for um, a review next week, then get a hold of a copy of How Will You Measure Your Life? Clayton Christensen, James Allworth and Karen Dillon. And then I've been playing a game all week. Okay, it's an educational game. So I oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I defend myself here. I, I was thinking... Um, I, would, I needed something to unwind and sometimes I knit, but you can't really knit in bed. Um, and then I play a puzzle game on my phone sometimes. You know when you need something where you, you're sort of distracted, you're a little bit mindless yeah. distraction. Um, so yeah. I, I did a quick um, search on the app store and came across this app called Lumosity. And they've got um, a paid for version and they've got a free version. I've gone for the free version not because I'm a cheapskate, I did consider upgrading, but because it actually limits you to just doing three workouts a day. And I, I thought if I had the unlimited version, the risk <laughs> I get, I just get stuck in the app. You know, I'm looking for like five, ten minutes of mindless distraction. And then I end up just staying there all day so i thought actually probably safer to have the basic version and it's a real mixture of brain training i really like it they claim it's personalized for you uh, i don't quite know how to do that but every time i log in it asks me how i'm feeling today and how many hours sleep i had so i think if you had the paid for version it might start to 
correlate with with some of the um, metrics that you're putting in as to actually how well your brain's working um it, it's probably <laughs> not, not very not very in my case <laughs> but some of the some of the challenges uh, i found um well all of them actually i've enjoyed all of the challenges there's memory there's attention there's processing speed problem solving there's some mathematical ones um some that involve um mental arithmetic which isn't my strong point they actually make me slightly anxious when i'm doing them um and then you keep score so you can sort of see how well you've done um previously and and it tallies up your score really good um apparently there's a lot of science behind all of it and you can actually go on and see quite a lot of metrics about um your scores and how you compare with other people like i say i've just gone for the free one but um it was certainly worth a try if you're looking for something just to make sure that your your mind is staying active and alert and i think at my age i'm very conscious of the fact that i sometimes need to yeah, just give my a brain a little exercise. <laughs> I don't do crosswords or jigsaw puzzles like my mum used to do. So um, yeah, this this is my equivalent. Okay, so that's Lumosity. 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 And, uh, okay. Yeah, it's available Great. in your app store, I imagine. What did Great. you discover uh, this week then, Heather? Well, I thought, given that we've been talking about pivoting. I thought I'd go to your favourite hangout, which is TED. Yay. The TED Talks, right? I thought, I know. I'll let myself into the TEDx stuff and um, and see what, what they've got. And when I searched on pivoting, there wasn't an awful lot that came up. I was hoping, you know, you type it in and there'd be like the great and the good talking about how to pivot your business. So I had to delve a bit deeper. But um, but I did find some really interesting content. And I'm just going to flag up four that um, that caught my eye. So the first one, it's only a short one. It's only 10, 10 minutes um, by a guy whose name I'm going to pronounce incorrectly. Um, it's K-N-U-T, which could be Knute or it could be Knut, I don't know. And then the surname is H double a n a e s which could be harness or something like that i don't know anyway 2.1 million people have watched this and the, the talk is called two reasons companies fail and how to avoid them and the, the synopsis is is it possible to run a company and reinvent it at the same time here's your pivot connection um, the ability to innovate after becoming successful is the mark of a great organization and this gentleman shares insights on how to strike a balance between perfecting what we already know and exploring totally new ideas. And he lays out how to avoid two major strategy traps. So that is, is very relevant to, the, to the, the current climate. And we talked earlier about it doesn't mean a change of direction um, necessarily permanently or because things are going wrong. But how do you rethink your business? So I thought that looked really good. Uh, then the next one was a guy who, um, Eddie Obeng, this is an, again another, it's 12 minutes, 1.6 million people, smart failure for a fast changing world. The world is changing much more rapidly than most people realise and creative output cannot keep up. In this spirited talk, and he, he is a larger than life, colourful character, um, he's got a bright orange shirt and, you know, he's, he's full on. 
Um, he highlights three important changes we should understand for better productivity and calls for a stronger culture of smart failure. Again, the link to, to pivoting. Uh, this one's slightly longer, 16 minutes, a guy called Eve Morrier, who's got a fantastic voice. Uh, how too many rules at work keep you from getting things done. 2.1 million people have watched this talk. Uh, modern work from waiting tables to crunching numbers to designing products. It's about solving brand new problems every day, flexibly and collaboratively. But in this talk, um, Eve shows too often that an overload of rules, processes and metrics keeps us from doing our best work. Uh, he says, meet the new frontier of productivity, cooperation. And there's certainly been an awful lot of cooperativeness in the, in the current situation where people are, I think, less competitive and more collaborative. So, um, so that's a nice one. And then finally, um, big hit of this, 7.8 million people have watched this TED Talk. Um, it's only six minutes. A guy called Bill Gross the single biggest reason why startups succeed. Uh, he's founded lots of startups and incubated many others, and he got curious about why some succeed and others failed. So he gathered data from hundreds of companies, his own and other people's, and ranked each company on five key factors. He found one factor that stands out from the others and surprised even him. So I'll put links to all of these. You can watch all of them in less than an hour. You know, it's literally about 30 or 40 minutes worth of, um, of, of TED talk there. But they're all very relevant to what we were talking about at the top of the show. Um, and hopefully there'll be some little snippets of support, guidance, positive thinking, ideas for pivoting that you might not have ordinarily thought of. So although I started off disappointed that there wasn't going to be anything, I actually found some real little gems on the TED website. This week we're profiling Susan Wojcicki. She's the CEO of Alphabet subsidiary YouTube and she became Google's 16th employee in 1999 and she was the advocate of the purchase of YouTube which um, Google did buy in 2006 for 1.65 billion. Now, listen to this for a return. Um, she's run it since 2014, and it's now worth an estimated $90 billion. So that's a pretty good business um, strategy there. Um, she's 51. She's from America. She has five children. And the thing that stood out for me most of all when I was doing this research was that she was already four months pregnant when she first joined Google. And she became Google's very first employee to go on maternity leave. And she said that joining a 15-person startup while pregnant was a bit of a leap. <laughs> uh, but sometimes <laughs> you have to do the right thing for you right now. And then when she became the CEO of YouTube, she um, went on maternity leave within the first year for the birth of her fifth child. And she says that support for motherhood shouldn't be a matter of luck. It should be a matter of course. So I've started off the profile, Heather, with, with a very brief introduction. What did you think about Susan? Well, 
I I like her. I saw uh, an interview that she gave, and she she came across as really down to earth. Um, so often you, you 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 watch videos and interviews, and they're just a little bit polished. But but she didn't she didn't come across as that. She came across as well somebody who's raised five kids, been hugely successful. Um, an element of being in the right place at the right time with certain things and then having the the support and conviction to make some big decisions so the right place at the right time you mean renting out her garage to the founders of google yes that yeah <laughs> now don't get me wrong none of this has happened by accident you know as you've already said she's very highly educated um and obviously hard working she uh, her mother um, has, uh, has written a book and um, she also talks a lot about having she's got three daughters and two of them are two of the most successful women in um, in the US. Anne uh, founded a company called 23andMe, which basically is um, is a genetic testing company you know where you take you send some saliva in and they'll send back to you that you know you're you're partially european and partially north african and all of that sort of thing and, and hugely successful at that but i was really interested in the interview that um that that i watched there were some really interesting stats that just sort of got thrown in for example there are 500 hours um uploaded to youtube every minute 500 wow. hours of content uploaded to YouTube every minute. Uh, Gangnam Style was the first YouTube video with over 1 billion views. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, and Susan talks very much about women in technology, and we've touched on that with the um, the Women in Tech um, event that's, that's happening at the end of the month. But also, they now, as an organisation, they make videos to teach YouTubers how to monetize their YouTube channel. So they found, they've created this commodity, they've created this thing, and now they're, they're training and educating people so that they can be the influencers. We've talked a lot about influencers. So it's not just, here's a portal where you can hang video, it's, this is what you can do with it. And I thought that was really, really interesting, um, some really interesting stats. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked her, I liked her. I read an article about her her mother as well. So um, so she was born um, to um, Esther Wojcicki and Stanley Wojcicki. So Esther was an educator of Russian Jewish descent, and Stanley was a Polish American physics professor at Stanford University. And I read this article in Forbes um, where they went to visit Esther the mother of these two um, women on the self-made women ranking, the Forbes annual list. Um, uh, that's Sue, Susan and Anne. And Esther, quite an interesting character in herself. She has written a book. She's an educator. So she's written a book on how to raise happy and successful children. And in this interview, she said, it seems rather controversial, uh, but I, I sort of got the gist of where she was going with this. She said, I used them as an educational experiment. And my goal was to see how early I could teach them anything. So 
the Esther and Stan used to take their daughters to nurseries, to plant nurseries um, at the weekends and made a point of teaching them the botanical names of flowers. And then she said it was fun for me to teach them to swim early, to read early, to ride a bike early. And when I say early, I mean before um, maybe other children of, of um, the same age would do it. Um, and she said you can teach kids really early. Esther went on to say she believed in giving her students and her daughters an uncommon level of control to help them think and act more independently. She went on to say that when her daughters started reading, she would take them to the local library every week with a laundry basket to fill with books and allowed the children to gravitate to whatever books interested them. Wow, gosh. I'm yeah, just without carrying that heavy basket of books. Oh, books. <laughs> but um, Susan Wojcicki went on to study um, history and literature at Harvard University. And she said that an introductory computer science course that she did there changed how she thought about everything. She went on to get a master's degree in economics and an MBA. She, what, one thing that I think is, is quite interesting, so often we hear of, you know, successful men and their wives. Well, this successful woman, um, her partner, uh, Dennis Troper, she's keeping things in the, in the family in more ways than one because he works for Where Oz by Google. And I thought, what on earth is that? So I looked up uh, their website and essentially they make wearables a bit like your apple watch a bit fit like fitbit yeah. fit a bit like your earbuds they develop apps um consumer apps hardware and so they're very much um when you look at their website they look very much to be about competing with the the apple so as we would expect from google um it, it's that joined up approach to if you need one of these you'll need one of these and one of those and how about this one as well um so i thought that was quite interesting so he's um you know he's a he's a, a serious player as well but not quite as serious as his wife who really i mean exceptional and i just i'm not a mum but to have five kids and be able to do all of that and and to have the the, the permission the balls the the conviction to make some really tough decisions and see them through to a huge, hugely successful conclusion. I just think it's incredible. So, um, and yeah. I would just say, if you want to find Susan on social media, it's probably no surprise that the best platform to find her is YouTube. So she is on LinkedIn. It's a little dull. She is on Twitter. It's okay. Um, but YouTube, she's got her own YouTube channel. So go and take a look. She shares, obviously, a lot of YouTube stuff and a lot of Google stuff. But um, if you want to see um, what she's putting up on there, then we'll put a link to that on our website. That's about all we've got time for this week. Another hour has flown by. We will be back next week with more news, views and reviews from the world of business.
You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.